welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. She can stop the rage. Welcome back, everybody, to a special Valentine's Day edition of Love here on the Retro Blood. We are celebrating Valentine's Day. We are celebrating my bloody Valentine. We are celebrating my boy TJ, my boy, my boy Axe, getting into a scuffle over one girl. There's many girls in town. We only got to get over one, only one. We are, we are talking all about that on the Retro Blood Plus. We're gonna have a lot, a lot of special little chocolate gifts for everybody today on the Retro Blood. James Klein, J.A. Allison, here on a very love edition of the Retro Blood. How are you feeling, Allison? How is this this love month been, been doing for you so far? Oh man, love month is is I I am I am dude love. Um, <laughs> I, I I I thrive in love month. You have to know that. So if you're um, dude love, would I be, um, would I be, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, brother love? Yes. Sure. I'll yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, yeah. It could be brother. Is that, that's Tom, uh, Tom, not Tom Pritchard. Uh, Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. 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 You, uh, I yeah. So love you. Could be, uh, you. <laughs> exactly. You could <laughs> be you, your brother love and I am dude love. Yeah. For a minute, I thought I was going to be the I'm cool one, but then you came out as brother one. love, so I became the cool guy all of a sudden. I like it. Well, that's uh, why I like hanging out with you. There you go, man. Yeah, I just make everything uncool. That's the way I do things. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, brother love was, you know, he was a big, uh, you know, a big manager or big character during the 80s. You know what I mean? He always had his brother love show. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had a couple of cool segments. I didn't mind the brother love character. He was kind of corny, but you know what? You know, it, it's to, for the time. He wasn't too bad, and he always loved you. So there you go. <laughs> but everybody, oh, yeah. we are hitting off this Valentine's Day, and we have a lot to talk about. So not only we're we going to be reviewing my bloody Valentine. What a, what a classic this one was, my bloody oh, Valentine. Yeah. But we're also going to be talking, you know, the history around the release date when it comes to wrestling and metal. And yours truly has a little special um, little little chocolate box for everybody. And no, this chocolate box is not full of, of dead hearts. It, it, it could be if you want it to be. But it's going to have little little chocolates there. And we're, I'm going to be talking my, uh, well, me and Allison are probably going to be talking our favorite 80s love song. And we'll play a little bit of that track for you on here as well. Plus, I'm going to go over one of my favorite love triangle storylines that happened in the 80s, which is uh, 
two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And I'll be talking about their storyline. But before we get into that, let's get into some of the uh, wrestling history that happened around this particular time of a release date for My Bloody Valentine, which was released February 11th, 1981. Oh, yeah. Three days before... uh, So we released this podcast on February 14th. So we are three days behind from the release date. But boy, what a what a what a time to to to, to take your date to my yeah. bloody. I definitely but, probably would have took my date to my bloody t- Valentine. What about you, Allison? Oh hell yeah! I mean, your your date f- specifically would be uh, would be perfect for that. But yeah. I think this would be a perfect date movie. Yeah, I think it was I mean, pretty good. I mean, it really would. This is the perfect date movie. Yeah. Um. You know, if you, you know, it's 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 not like horrifying but if it but it's scary enough to you know to 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 make you jump a little bit and it's fun and you know and you know you can you know console your date or whatever and yeah get the uh get everything going speaking of getting things going there was a a lot of getting things going in this movie that but i'm sure we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit <laughs> i die for sure <laughs> it starts yeah. off hot yeah that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> we could be like my boy john over here <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. He uh, he definitely want to take a girl to a drive-in. He definitely take somebody to a to a drive-in. So, oh yeah. Oh, what yeah. Do, what do we what do we got on the wrestling? What do we got? What do we got for me? What do we got for everybody? So it was it was a weird not a weird week, but it was well it was a weird week in wrestling. Um, so um, so this movie came out on uh, February 11th. So um, there were a few shows that day. So or around that time. WWF had a, a house show. I assume it was a house show in um, Philadelphia at the Spectrum with 10,000 people showing up. Um, wow. Hulk Hogan was on that, but it was before. You know, this was when he was still in the AWA. This is still in the territory days. So he, yep. he wasn't signed. He wasn't the Hulk, Hulkamania Hulk Hogan that we uh, that we know. He defeated Dominic Danucci. Nice. But he did. He, he was at this particular time. Uh, rising up because you know Hulkamania was getting pretty big in the, in the um, oh god what was the promotion again AWA no it was AWA that AWA. he was in but I didn't yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't know that he was doing the Hulkamania thing yeah then. I thought he was still just uh no no he basically that basically um basically what happened was you know he he went to AWA and you know he um I think during that time he either got off or or was in the Rocky movie and you know, he didn't go straight from the Rocky movie to WWE or WWF. He he actually did. He was actually gaining a lot of momentum in the AWA from that movie and getting very popular. It's just when he tr- he transitioned to WWF, that's when he became a megastar. But you know, a lot of the groundwork for Hulk Hulk, uh, you know, Hulkamaniac and stuff like that, uh, that all happened in the AWA. So. They oh, done. They done took. They done took his gimmick, and made it. <laughs> yeah, that happened a lot. Actually, you know, it's it's weird because like you know nowadays, you know, let's say let's say I'll give an example like a guy like um, you know, like Adam Cole. You know, he would go to. It wouldn't be like Adam Cole could be super hot in like Ring of Honor, and you know making you know having a good name for himself. A lot of wrestling fans would know him, but then they would just put him in NXT. He'd be the same kind of guy, but you know they would want to rebrand him. It was a different oh, back well, then, yeah. man. 
Like with Hulk Hogan, he was like the same Hulk Hogan in the AWA. They just they just pushed him more in the WWF, and he had a different like color scheme. Like in AWA, I remember him wearing like a lot of blue and stuff. But yeah, he was blue and white. Yeah. Yeah, but then when he went to WF, like they just marketed him more. Like they 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 basically they didn't change anything about him. They just upped everything. So, yeah, it's really yeah, interesting. They just, and like you know, so, they just turned it up to eleven. Yeah, exactly. And like you you can find some of the stuff. So I was like to shout out like documentaries that I think they're very interesting for the listeners to listen to. Um, if you go on, the, if you have Peacock, brother, uh, if you go, if you find the AWA history DVD on there, it, it tells you a lot yeah. of cool back backstories, you know, that are happening during this time and, and how Hulk Hogan rose and stuff and how this man stole every stuff, you know, stars from it. It's very, very interesting, very fun documentary for, uh, for us, for our uh, avid wrestling listeners out there. Yeah, there's actually um, a, a YouTube channel that's really cool that I just watched this video the other day. He's, his views are usually videos are usually really short. Yeah, but he, um, I think this one's one he stitched together <clears throat> a lot of his other videos. Um, the channel is called Wrestling Bios, and it's by this English guy. Um, I believe he's English. Anyway, he um, he he has this episode or this. Uh, episode out called Hulk Hogan, the complete seventies and eighties collection, which I was going to suggest that you watched the other day. It was, it's really good. Like he just, it's um, completely unauthorized or whatever, but he just kind of goes through, he shows clips from matches and he goes through like Hogan's career from the seventies into the eighties. It's about an hour long. He's done a lot of them. He just really did one on WCW thunder and how terrible that was near the end. It was, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, he's <laughs> he like, and that's really good. He explains how their schedule was all screwed up and, um, they were taping one show before the other show aired and that kind of thing. But yeah, Wrestling Bios is a really, really good YouTube channel if anybody wants to learn about wrestling. Sounds great to me. Oh, but the main event of that show. So this was Valentine's Day. This Ooh. was uh, um, February the 14th, 1981. Imagine so taking your date been, to wrestling. Hell yeah. So this <laughs> would have been a hell of a wrestling date right here. So yeah. the main event of this WWF house show was Tony Gurria and Rick and our boy Rick Martel oh. defeated the Moon Dogs in a Texas death match. Wow. There is no, nothing says Valentine's <laughs> Day love like a Texas death match. Did That's they get I, did they I get the remember. double juice? Oh yeah, you know they did. So uh, do you want to explain to the audience that uh, what what a double juice is? Oh yeah. So double juice, so juice uh, basically is uh, uh, when you start bleeding profusely. And um, double juice is when everybody gets the juice. Yep. And the reason- everybody, everybody's winning. Everybody's winning. Everybody's bleeding yep. all over the mat and all over each other. <laughs> yeah, the reason they do like the, the juice is to create more of a, uh, like a fight, like atmosphere, like a little bit more of a uh, devastating brawl. You know? Oh, so, yeah. So that's why like, you know, most of the time in those death matches- and even to this day, because we just had one on Dynamite last week. I was going to say that 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 was that was a great double juice match. That was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Pretty wild, wild stuff, man. Those you know, those Texas Death Match basically just like a hardcore match, but you know they 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 go the extra mile of really doing a lot of brutality. So, oh, yeah. man, you can have like Hang a double man stabbed in the face with a fork. And where was this located? Philadelphia at the Spectrum. Ooh, oh, great venue. Yeah, we're definitely oh, yeah. bringing the Trans Am over there with some honeys in the back. 
Hell uh, yeah. Or like my boy and, MJF uh, says, we'll have a couple of rats up in the back. All right. <laughs> Bringing <laughs> him to the, the spectrum. Yeah. Bringing him back in the Trans Am. Checking out this show. Checking out My Bloody Valentine. Those girls, they wouldn't have nothing. They wouldn't. They'd be, they'd be as excited um, as, our, as our girl Sarah would be about choosing mm-hmm. between her men. That's how excited they would be. Right. That's that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> um, and then the next night, um, uh, Crockett, Jim Crockett ran in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. And I don't know if this is because it's 1981. So it's before that Crockett really took over because it's before Dusty Rhodes got there. Or if this was a B show. But um, the show opened, this was the first match, with uh, Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper. Oh, wow. Now, you, now you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. The, you're thinking, Jay, this has got to be an A show, right? Yeah. So that opened the show, but the main event was um, the two. Well, I guess it had dual main event. I don't, I don't really know which one went, in, went, went last. But um, it was Bruno San Martino Jr., versus Ron Ritchie and they fought to a draw. Wow. That's interesting. And then after that, and then after that they had Abe Jacobs who beat Charlie Fulham. Interesting. So Rick Flair and Roddy Piper went on first. Wow. And you had Abe Abe Jacobs main event that night. Maybe maybe I mean, maybe they had like a that. time or something where like Rick Flair needed to go to the casino or something. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, Flair definitely wasn't as big in 81 as he would be by 85. But still, you would think that. And and Piper, Piper's probably not really big either. He probably didn't get really big until he went to WWF, I would guess. Um, yeah, I mean, that, he I was, just think uh, that's crazy. He was gaining some notion, you know what I mean? Like going to different territories and I get his name out there. So when he came to WWF, I think he had like a little bit of a name. But you probably have to be like a wrestling fan, like us. You know what I mean, right? To like, to like, know a, who it was. And an aside about Roddy Piper, I love Roddy Piper, but there's an and there's a on on Peacock. There's a um from the from around this time period. There is a uh, a promo from him from uh, Mid Atlantic Wrestling, and he's trying. He's supposed to be doing a uh, a um promo for Easter Seals which helps like handicapped children. Yeah. But he does it in his regular Roddy Piper way. So he comes out wearing this Easter seal shirt and he's like screaming and he's like, he's like these, these, he's, he's like these poor, these poor crippled kids. And he's just going on and on screaming at these poor crippled kids and about how people need to support the Easter seals. And it's just really freaking weird. That is weird. Maybe we can find that promo and put it on the Facebook. That'd be great. We probably can. <laughs> and then the final thing I have is on February the 12th of 1981 um, was the day that uh, Ox Baker was on The Price is Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, the whole the whole episode is actually on YouTube, but the Ox Baker segments are on there. But he was a uh, he was a he was a, a legit contestant on The Price is Right, um, and I believe he won quite a bit actually. Wow. And that's hey. about all the wrestling I got for that week. Nice. What a week it is. What a week to travel on the Trans Am. So I'm going to do the music history, then I'll get into some of the little special stuff. So the music sure. history cool. that we have, not, not too much stuff is going around, 
going on during this particular time, but I thought I found two things that were pretty interesting. So, on February 12th, one day after the release of this movie, a band, a little band called Rush, they released their uh, highly regarded album, Moving Pictures. Which, oh, wow, yeah. Which would eventually become the band's sixth platinum album. So, you know, Rush, I, I haven't been like the biggest fan of Rush, but I do um, respect the music, and especially the drummer, who's like very, very talented. Can you tell us anything about Rush there, Allison? Oh, we could. I could do a whole podcast on Rush. <laughs> I, I am. I am the biggest Rush fan. Um, I've seen Rush probably more than any other band ever. Nice. I've seen every Rush tour since 1990. Um, I saw all of them from 1990 all the way to the final one for the final 40th anniversary tour. Um, yeah, Rush is one of the greatest bands of all time. They're definitely a top five band for me. Um, they would be in the top five. If I had to go on a desert island and could only have five bands to listen to, Rush would be one of those bands. Um, they are one of the greatest bands of all time. And what's really great about Rush is how Rush is one of those bands. It's kind of like Rush is kind of like heavy metal in general. Like, you know, heavy metal is not really cool. Um, it's never been cool to like metal. And once it becomes cool, it kind of becomes something kind of crappy and kind of shitty. But like Rush is like one of those bands. They're like a super nerdy band. They're like, they're hmm. not cool. It's not cool to listen to Rush. The cool kids never listen to them. You're you're never gonna get any girls by listening to Rush. But if you do find that girl that's a Rush fan, then you got to hold on to her because that's something special. Um, but yeah, Rush. It Rush is a community. It definitely is. Um, yeah, they're fantastic. One of the best bands to ever exist. And how was his album Moving Pictures? Well, Moving Pictures is probably their most famous album. Um, it's not my favorite, but it's a really good album. It's got Red Barchetta. It's got Limelight. It's got Tom Sawyer, the famous Tom Sawyer. Um, it's it's a fantastic album. I mean, it's not my, like I said, it's not my favorite, but it is it is a fantastic album. Very very good. Nice. Maybe we'll play a song from it for our lovely listeners yeah. out there. Can never have enough rush. Too much rush. No, no. There's no such thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the second thing I have is on February 14th, on actual Valentine's Day in 1981, our boy Billy Idol, he leaves the band Generation X to begin a solo career. And boy, did he definitely have a solo career. That's for sure. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> With a rebel yell. With a rebel yell, man. So that's definitely like a, I'd say like a, you know, I bet he did a couple good love songs, our boy Billy Idol did. Um. Yeah, eyes without a face isn't that a love song? Yeah, and I never I like know. so. I, I never really knew he was in a uh, a band called Generation X. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I was I I knew that because I'm a music nerd and I know things like that. But I've never listened to Generation X. But I guess they were like a British, like a British punk band that you know, not as big as the Sex Pistols. I guess. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but you know, and then then he he leaves and then becomes this huge megastar. Yeah. I wonder who else. Generation X. I wonder what those guys are doing now. Yeah, we have like Tony James is in there. Uh, Deerwood Andrews. Let's see what De let's see what Deerwood Andrews is doing. It's a British yeah, rock a guitarist, former band. Oh, you like this one? Generation. He was in Generation X, Emperor, and Westworld. That must be a different emperor. 
I know it might be. <laughs> can't be that. Can't be the emperor from Norway. So there must have been another, uh, another, another emperor. But yeah. So uh, I guess the, I guess he didn't have the same uh, fame as uh, Billy Idol did. But Billy was super marketable in the '80s, though. I mean, he had that '80s look with the spiked up blonde hair. Oh yeah, the, he's definitely like one of the biggest like stars of the '80s. Oh yeah. That's interesting. I never even heard of He's no rush, game. though. Yeah, no rush. Yeah, I don't know. There's <laughs> no rush, though. All right. Well, that's a little bit of the history we've got going on. So we got, you know, we got some good tracks, you know, going down to the uh, uh, the Coliseum to, to see some deadly wrestling and watch a good movie. I'm liking this. I'm liking this month so far, this February mm-hmm. love month. It's a good week. But I'm going to do a little extra here on the, on the Retro Blood. So, you know, talk about love. We're talking about... Um, you know, retro blood style love, which is violence and gore. But yeah. um, one of the uh, so going on the back of the topic of pro wrestling, one of my favorite stuff in pro wrestling is like you know different unique storylines, and this is a very unique storyline that happened around not the release of this movie actually happened around 1988. It was the build to Jake the Snake Roberts which is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and my other favorite wrestlers of all time, especially during this era of the 80s, Ravishing Rick Rude. Mm. Uh, both great promos, both great wrestlers, and both great storytellers. And this view basically kicked off where my boy, Rick, Rick Rude, he would always go to a town, all right? And let me see if I can do him. I always wanted to do this. All right, you guys ready? Right. I'm gonna I'm ready. do my I'm gonna do my Rick Rude impression. All right, <clears throat> yeah, buddy. All right, so picture I'm in your town, wherever you guys are at. You know what I mean? Could be Texas, whatever. I'm in the crowd. I'm jacked to the gills, brother. Fucking hair is flying everywhere. I got a I got a stash for a miles away. I'm with my boy Bobby Heenan. This is what this is this is my impression of Rick Rude. All right. What I like to have right now is for all you fat, out of shape, Texas size work bags to shut your mouth and have your woman stare at what a real man's supposed to look like. And then I just start, you know, drunk in the driving. Huh? Huh? That's perfect. It's perfect, man. I got it. I got it down. So our boy was doing this one night, okay? And after he beat some jobber in like two seconds with the rude awakening, great finisher, which is basically a backwards, um, kind of a backwards stunner, backwards neck breaker. Yeah. He decides to hit on a girl in the crowd. He sees this blonde over there with the white shirt on everything. And he's like, listen, lady, I am giving you the chance to be with a real man. You don't want to be with any man in this arena. You want to be with a real man. And she's like, tell me what man you want to be with. And she's like, oh, I want to be with my husband. He's like, what? Your husband? You mean like the fucking janitor or something? No, you want to be with me. And she's like, no. It's like, who is your husband? She's like, my husband's a wrestler. Oh, a wrestler? He's a wrestler? (laughs) So what I'm going to do, guys, I'm going to play this promo for you because it is fantastic. He's like, oh, is it a wrestler? It's like, what's the wrestler's name? And she's like, 
Jake the Snake Roberts. And they start freaking out. What? What, Jake Roberts? You get that guy down here, I'll beat his ass and everything. So basically, my boy Rick Rude was hitting on Jake Roberts' wife, who his name is Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl Snake, I guess. So they, Cheryl Snake. <laughs> yes. So he's hitting on. Jake comes out. They start brawling and everything. Blah, 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 blah. And then basically, this match eventually leaves leads up to a big feud that they did at WrestleMania 4. So what I want to do on here, I actually want to play for you guys the segment where Rick Rude is talking to Jake the Snake's Robert's wife. So I'm going to play a little bit of that because this kind of goes with our theme of love because this guy is trying to steal Jake Robert's life, love of his life. But Jake Roberts and Cheryl have such a great relationship that she that she begs off my boy Rick Rude to stay with her true husband. So everybody, let's play a little clip for everybody. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. It's the lucky time. It's that time again. Oh yeah. We're gonna give some young lady the thrill of her lifetime. I'm gonna give some young lady a rude awakening. Who will it be, Bobby? Well, you see anything over here you like? kind of like shopping at the supermarket for Rude, you know? Going shopping in Cape Girardeau, huh? Yeah. Not you, buddy. Ha! What'd he say? He said, not you, buddy. Some guy wanted a Rude awakening. Nah. We're lucky at this time. That character Patterson's not in the building, is he? Oh, I have there she is, Bobby. Oh, the Joseph All on deck, down in white. For sure. The waters run deep, don't they? They must have flown her sure in. Do. Come on up here, little lady. You think she's from this town? You really believe it? Why not? Must have come from St. Louis, Kansas City, somewhere. Hey, baby, well, how about that? I don't think she's well, uh, all that problem with getting into the ring, but she's not door. getting up, Jesse. She's sitting right there. I'll tell you what it is, McMahon. She's just shy. She's embarrassed. That's the problem. Really? Cut the music. Cut the music. Not only that, she's liable to faint if she gets in there. She's so thrilled. No, sir, Ray, I don't look at. She's embarrassed. Who would? You be? sure looking fine tonight, sweetheart. He likes those women with the rings she's on. She's looking Cody. good, ain't she, Bobby? She's playing a little hard. She's married. You're right. Used to that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Ooh, look at those legs, Bobby. I think this is demeaning myself. I mean, Sweetheart, I know you might be a little intimidated by the sexiest man alive, but you know, and I know, that you're here for the same reason all these other ladies are here, and that is to see Ravishing Rick Rude. Am I right? Rick Rude. Sweetheart, I can understand you're a little bit intimidated right now. So I'm going to make it real easy for you. Tell me, is Ravishing Rick Rude 
the sexiest man in the WWF. No. Oh, I'm on that! No, I can't believe this. Oh, I'm on that! Where'd they Bobby find it? Rick Rude is being rejected. Where'd they find that yeah. train? Air to the camera. What'd you call her? Air to the camera. Come on, how are you going to take care of her in a minute? Okay, baby cakes. Tell me now. If you didn't come here to see Ravishing Rick Rude, the sexiest man alive, who did you come here to see? My husband. <laughs> Your husband? Is that the choker sitting next to her? I like that. <laughs> uh, which aisle is he working? He must be an usher here. Must be an. Uh, no, it's a guy Where next is door. this ugly thing your husband? Where is your husband? I don't see him. Just what does this husband do? Professional wrestler. Professional. Hey, professional Jesse. wrestler. Well, that's not my wife. He's got hand man. And he just wiped the mat with. Honey, he's gonna be unconscious for a while. You better hop on the ravishing man wagon. A professional wrestling bandwagon that weasel is that somebody's wife who's wife is that man? Big bad professional wrestler B baby cakes. Jake. Jake the Snake Robert. Whoa, my goodness! I can't believe it. You're telling me out of this whole crowd. You picked Jake the Snake Robert's wife. Hey, that's that well, I shouldn't know. What? That man is nothing but a sleazy, low-down, worthless piece of garbage. Whoa. And I'm going to tell you something, Jake earlier on. For you to hang with that man, Russell, that makes you just as much as a stinking lowlife as he is. I can't In my book, you, your old man, and anybody in your family isn't worth two. That's insulting. So what do you think about that? Oh, I can't believe it! All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my little treat for you guys for this Valentine's Day. That was our boy Rick Rude trying to hit on Jake the Snake Robert's wife. And what I'll do for some of the uh, for the Facebook page, I will post a match, a really good match too. Um, it was a, one of the matches leading up to WrestleMania 4 where it had Jake the, Jake the Snake Roberts versus Rick Rude with Jake the Snake having his wife Cheryl in his corner. Very hard mini match. Like, you've got to hear the crowd in this match. Like, they are going crazy, like, the whole time. And, of course, like, the whole match has really good psychology because that's when Jake Roberts was really know of with psychology. So the whole match is basically Rick Rude trying to duck and try to escape uh, Jake Roberts putting on the DDT because you know once Jake Roberts puts on the DDT it's over. Yep. So the whole match DDT builds up to that. Kills rats dead. <laughs> yes, it is, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody will be posting that. That's a little extra here on the Retro Blood for the Valentine's Day edition. Very fun storyline. Um, you know, a lot of back and forth promos with it, but definitely something I, I I enjoy, especially during this '80s period. Speaking of that. I thought something extra we do before we get into this review is to um, pick out and play a little sample 
of me, one of me, me and Allison's favorite 80s love song. Okay, so mine's probably gonna be a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I count it as a love song uh, in my own way, but I am gonna go back to a band that we talked about before here on the podcast. And I don't know why I like this song so much. I even try to play it in some of our like episodes when stuff is going down. But I <laughs> like I would definitely play this song in the Trans Am if I'm trying to get my girl feeling good and feeling all wild up. And you know what song that's gonna be, everybody? That's gonna be our boys King Cobra with Take It Off. Take it off. Take I it off. Brother. That was coming. Yeah, really. That's in my song. Alright everybody, that was a little sample of Take It Off by King Cobra. Allison, what song are you going to play for us all here on the Retro Blood to get everybody in the mood? To get everybody in the love mood? Man, I've been thinking about this actually all day. Um, but, and I narrowed it down to two choices and right now on the fly I'm going to pick one of those two. I think my favorite 80s love song has got to be Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Ooh, that's a great one. Yeah. Sweet Child it, it, of Mine. It, yeah, it's 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 iconic. It's it's perfect. Guns N' Roses, also one of the best bands of all time. Yep. Um, but yeah. Um yeah. That that's that's my pick. Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. All right, let's get a little sample of it. <laughs>
All right, everybody. That was Guns N' Roses. Sweet child of mine. Great pick from our boy Allison over here. Getting all the ladies falling down here on the mm-hmm. retro blood. Back in the Trans Am. We're rocking it. The Love Mobile. But let's get into the main course of our Valentine's Day dinner, which would be My Bloody Valentine. And yep. boy, what, what an interesting movie this was. <laughs> Did you know that this is apparently Quentin Tarantino's favorite slasher movie? I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I thought this movie was pretty good. I, I mean, I liked it. I yes. don't know that I'd ever seen it before. Yeah, um, I haven't either. But I, I thought this movie was pretty good. Um, yeah. It's yeah. been a minute since we saw a movie that was that was that was definitely made well, but yeah. this was uh, this was another one of those Canadian tax shelter movies, kind of like uh, Ghostkeeper, except uh, it had a one one a full script and a full budget, um, and they made a full movie um, with it. But um, but yeah, it was uh, uh, this movie's pretty good. Yeah, and I definitely think this movie um, is you know a little bit unrecognized. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't get the credit that it deserves because I actually thought it was pretty good as well. You know what I mean? Like, especially the visual of the movie. I thought the the main the killer was pretty creepy and a pretty original idea. And I thought the actual plot line was actually not as bad as well. The acting, I can kind of do it down. But the actual plot line, mm-hmm. I thought was pretty good. Because, you know, this movie was supposed to be in, like, realm has, like, you know, Black Christmas was, Halloween was, Friday the 13th. It was supposed to be, like a like, a, like a themed horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, we have, yeah. like, a themed part to it. Yeah, that's why they made it. Yeah, because it was supposed to be like a, it was supposed to be um, piggybacking on all those holiday themed horror films that had come out since Halloween. Exactly. But everybody, let's get into my bloody Valentine. bad time this time of year how many times is he gonna tell this story don't let him tell it i love fairy tales this ain't no fairy tale little girl if you don't take it seriously you're a fool (laughs) the first valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special You gotta get a lot of exercise if you're gonna grapple with Gretchen. Oh yeah? Well, I got a Valentine for her that she's never gonna forget. <laughs> right to the heart, huh? In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. It can't be happening again. It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dancer, it'll happen twice. Valentine Bluffs. Oh, 
There are many ways to die. Take your pick. My bloody Valentine. All right, everybody. We see two miners. Okay. And they're like just walking around. We're in like a tunnel. And, you know, those, those miners' costumes are pretty creepy. You know yeah, it's mean? pretty cool. Kind of like that really gas cool mask. Yeah, with the like, mm-hmm. yeah, with the little suit on. They, they usually carry like pitchforks or pickaxe. Yeah. Pickaxe. With their, uh, yeah. with their pickaxes. Yeah. With their oh. Darth Vader breathing the, <laughs> the whole time. That was, that was really cool. Yeah. And I, that's, that is a pretty, like, I'm surprised a lot of people don't dress up like that for Halloween stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it, this seems like it would be something that w- would have catched on, but I guess it, I guess it just, you know, didn't, you know? Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's something we can bring back. Maybe for Halloween, I'll be one of these, uh, one of these miners up there. Mm, that'd be awesome. Like, freaking throwing heart shaped boxes at everybody. But With these little hearts in them. Yes, but Allison, these are not the killers. We don't not have a trio of killers like Scream. No, we have one minor, not minor, but like a minor. Right. Yes, and he <laughs> <laughs> and there, and then we have one other minor that takes her 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 helmet off, and it's a blonde girl with a heart. Tattoo on her titty. Okay. Yes. So yeah. So we'll we're starting continue. off. We have a lot to say about this. We are starting off hot. Of this movie. These guys were like, yeah. listen, fuck a bed, fuck a hotel room. I ain't going to the. I ain't going to the drive-in. That's boring. I'm gonna take mm-hmm. you down to a tunnel. <clears throat> the dirty, rusty pie has a bunch of rats, and I'm gonna make love to you, girl. That that's what their plan was. All right. But mm-hmm. one of these minor guys. Saw a heart-shaped tattoo on her tit and freaked out and he killed her. So I got that all correct. Yeah, you did get all that correct. Um, I, I have to say a couple things. One, that was the worst fake tattoo I think I've ever seen. It literally looks like it's drawn over the magic marker. <laughs> it didn't look bad. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty rough. Yeah. Um, the other thing is it it's it this scene made those minor costumes strangely arousing. Yeah, I know. Like they're strangely sexy. Like the girl in the, when she's wearing the gas mask and like, and then she like, like before she takes the gas mask off, she's like undoing her, the front of her, her minor outfit. And like, that was just strangely hot. Like, I don't know. Like it was really weird. Like it was made me feel a little bit uncomfortable for a minute, but it was, but in a good way. Like, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Like, I just, think this is like in the first like 10 seconds of the movie. I definitely was caught off like guard. This is how it starts. No, I was like, "Bro, we're starting off hot here." Okay, let's go. <laughs> but um, but yeah, after that hot opening, uh, it is now Thursday, February twelfth. All right, and we have uh, a bunch of miners' crews. They're getting off work, and they kept saying they they left a couple rookies down there, and then they all start taking a shower. And this is when we start meeting the cast of the film. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have Hollis, who this guy, fucking, he's a bigger dude and has a freaking mustache for for days. We have Howard, he's kind of like the jokester of the crew. Uh, we have TJ, who recently came back 
uh, to the group. And then we have my boy Axel. No, not Axel Smash. We have Axel, brother. Okay. Axel. He he is now dating uh, TJ's former squeeze, Sarah. And this is what they're kind of like talking about in the shower. And they're also talking about they're very excited because there is a finally, there's going to be a Valentine's Day dance. Allison, have you ever been to a Valentine's Day dance? Yeah, but not since like elementary school, I don't think. I don't think I even I remember going. I don't remember doing I think we <laughs> like besides having like taking girls on dates and stuff. I don't think I've ever been to a Valentine's Day dance before, especially at their age. Um. Well, OK, yes, but this is a little bit different. But I mean, like, I, I think I think my elementary school had one when I was in like fifth or sixth grade or something. But um, the. um. But yeah, this is supposed to be like well, at least my understanding is like this is supposed to be like a uh, a um, like a town tradition that they haven't had in twenty years since the murders. Mm. So like they've stopped having this this this. Well, this is like the crux of the plot right here. Is like they they're about to have this uh, this Valentine's Day dance again, which they haven't had in like twenty years. Which sounds like a really like 1950s thing, which, but I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they were still doing this stuff in like 1981. I don't know. But it does seem like a very, very old fashioned thing, even then, to do. Yeah. I think, it's, well, once we hear what the town's called, I guess that's why they, they love Valentine's. It's just kind of funny. Like, of all things, like, <laughs> yeah, we're like 30 years old. Let's go to a Valentine's Day dance. Okay. Yeah. Right. But uh, so basically, the guys they're getting ready, and then they said last one to the to the. I guess they hang out at this particular bar, which uh, this is going to be my favorite character is going to be in this bar. They're like last one to the bar has to pay for the brew, and like so, like the acting in this was like so it wasn't Silent Night, Deadly Night two level, but boy, it was kind of close. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you got to understand though is like I mean these are not high budget movies. I mean they're not yeah. going to get, you know, George Clooney for My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> so they just they just they just said I mean like all horror movies from this time period were probably were, I think were this about the same quality. Uh, I mean and except in situations where you just happen to find a naturally good actor like Jamie Lee Curtis from uh you know from Halloween or Kevin Bacon from Friday the 13th. Yeah. You know, you just kind of got the people you could get and you know so they got mustache guy and then they got all the other people it wasn't terrible i mean it's you know like i don't ex- i guess i expect this kind of thing out of the, this era of movies because you know i love this era of horror movies so much that to me this is just what acting is i guess you know but I well what well, what i always look at it has so a lot of times in this era of horror movies just kind of like how we saw one that that movie last house last house on the left so it's going to have some dark tones to it, but there always has to be like a lighter side of stuff. You know what I mean? We have to play like this like weird hillbilly music. We got to play like this like weird like like it's like this the, the they're not making it super like dark. They're trying to like lighten stuff up, which I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So cuz you know when, when all the guys are running to their cars or like falling down or by a hoss doesn't even have his pants on. And we're playing like this fucking hillbilly <laughs> fucking music over here. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> it turns it turns into an episode of Dukes of Hazard all of a sudden. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. Running into their cars, and all of a sudden it's like, ding, 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 ding. It, I thought it was great. It was funny. And that's where I wrote Dukes of Hazard. So there's some sort of Dukes yeah. of Hazard scene going on yeah, here. It does. It turns into an episode of Dukes of Hazard for about 30 seconds while they're all racing to the bar. <laughs> yes. 
So this is also too when we see a sign that says, Welcome to Valent- Valentine Bluff, the little town with a big heart. Yeah, what a convenient name for hey, this a- town to have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we are now going into this uh, place. It's called the Hall. And this is where they're going to be doing their Valentine's Day party at. And Howard goes in there. And this is when we meet most of the girl cast. And the whole entire girl class, every one, one of them is blonde. So Valentine Bluff Town has a shit ton of blondes there. So if you like blondes, mm-hmm. brother, this is the town for you. Okay. You mood Valentine Bluffs. Yes. And this is when we see start seeing some tension between Axel, TJ, and Sarah. Okay. So Axel is like this blonde dude, and he is seeing Sarah. Sarah used to like date TJ, but yeah. TJ left somewhere and he failed whatever he did and he came back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't they say he went to California? Yeah. Or no, I thought, I mean, they yeah, they he said went, he went to the coast. The coast. Yeah. So yeah. I, maybe as this, maybe he went to Vancouver, but I don't know. I thought that somewhere they said California. That's just maybe as assumed he went to California, but yeah, but he failed at whatever he was going to do and then he came back. Yes. And then we have my boy, Howard. He is wants to have a Valentine's date with um, uh, Sylvia. All right? Mm-hmm. So he, this is his line. <clears throat> He's like, hey, like, can you just be my Valentine? And she's like blowing him off. And then he's all like, hey, you know what looked good on you? And she's like, what? Me. Mm, Ooh. that's a line that always works that's a line that always works. and she's all like suck it in and zip it up I was like okay I never heard that one before but I, <laughs> I guess I will <laughs> yes I will so this is also too when we meet the character Mabel no not that Mabel okay not King Mabel no, but no this is an old lady Mabel and she is like the the Valentine's Day decorator lady, all right? And she is talking with the mayor, all right? And then the mayor is bringing up how they haven't had, like, a a Valentine's uh, party or nothing in, like, 20 years. And then she's telling, and then she's, like, he's kind of, like, keeping it under wraps of Mabel. Like, you know, just don't, you know, don't let it get all crazy. Okay, so after this, um, the mayor is walking up to the the place where they're going to be doing the, uh, the party at. Howard... Falls into him as a bloody face and everything. They start going crazy. The mayor goes in there. He started talking to everybody and saying, like, we don't want a bunch of jokesters. We want this party to go good. And this is when we... And then this is when the mayor and TJ are having, like, a little bit of a... Like a like a look-off. So, apparently, the mayor is TJ's dad. And this is when the dad is defending his son, saying, like, hey, yeah, he went off to the coast... He's, you know, a little crazy right now, but he's my son. He's going to be taking over the family business. Okay. So we're showing there's a little bit of a tension between the town and TJ because TJ was part of the town, but then he left to do things. But I guess whatever he like, what to do, like, failed. All right. Right. It's fantastic how they don't ever tell us what he went to do. Yeah. Like, he, they never did. Like, like, unless I missed something. No. Like, what did you fail at? <laughs> did you yeah, go mining like, somewhere I assume, else? Like, Right, like I assumed that when somehow I got out of that that he'd gone to California, which maybe they don't even say that. Maybe I just read that into it, trying to find some uh, 
backstory for TJ here, but like I, you know, I assumed that he went to California to become an actor and he failed and he came back home. Yeah. But I mean, you know, and from from the acting of this guy, I'm, I'm not really surprised that he failed. But that's a different story, I guess, altogether. But you know, he, so he's back, and like this is a classic story. You know, like I can relate to this because I'm I am somewhat the same way. Like there's people in this little community that I live in that have never left this little community, and they they were born here, and they their parents worked here, and then they got a job at the same place their parents worked, and then they had kids that'll work in the same place their parents work if it's still open. And then they'll die here and then they never leave. And, you know, I got at the fuck out of here as soon as I could, which strange considering how much I love living here now, but it was a different time. And, you know, I got the fuck out of here as quick as I could. And I was gone for many, many years. And then I came back um, to the, to the community that I grew up in or close to the community I grew up in. And um, so I can kind of relate to what he's going through in a way. Yeah, I can see that. So, you know, TJ, he's actually probably like the, the most strongest character that we had in this particular story. But we also have another strong character who arrives, Chief Jake Newby. All right, the chief. We always have to have a chief or a sheriff or anything in every horror movie. There has to be at least mm-hmm. one chief or yeah, sheriff. We always have to have one that never shows up on time. Yeah. So he or shows- gets trapped behind a tree. Yeah, exactly. There's a tree in a road. We just can't make it, I guess. Yeah, can't make it. There's a tree. Oh, man. That's, just, that's <laughs> too much, guys. Come on. They don't pay me. They don't pay me enough for the move this tree out of the way. So, Chief is meeting up with the mayor. All right. The mayor's last name is uh, Hanger, but, like, I'm just going to call him the mayor. Um, and then they're, they're going over, you know, different plans that's going to be happening for this dance. And then the mayor actually receives a gift. And at first, he thinks the gift is from Mabel. It's not. Then he thinks the gift is from the chief. It's not. So then we have a scene of the mayor and the chief driving in the police car together. And the mayor opens up this heart-shaped box of chocolates. But, but before we reveal this, I just want to mention that how adorable I think it is that the mayor thinks he received a Valentine's Day gift from the sheriff. (laughs) No, it is adorable. I thought that was absolutely adorable. Like the, I wonder, I wonder if that happens often. Does the chief of police give the mayor a Valentine's Day gift? I don't know. Well, maybe. maybe in Valentine's Day, Valentine's Bluffs, they do. But anyway, back to the story. So we open up the heart-shaped box, and what is inside, James? Well, what is inside is going to be a live human heart with yes a little bit of a poem. Our boy, the killer, is actually a a Valentine's Day poem guy. He is. He's a poet. So let's make sure I get this correct. <clears throat> okay. From the heart there comes a warning for blood good cheer. Remember what happened as the 14th draws near. Boom. Our boy right there. For those Valentine's Day deadly poems, brother. And then the, and then the fucking, <laughs> the mayor opens it up. It's like, oh God. Oh my God. Oh, it's happening. And then the chief, and then the chief looks on and they're, they're going crazy now. So we're back mm-hmm. at the cage. So the cage is where the party is supposed to happen. All right. <laughs> oh, actually, no, sorry. Let me scratch that. My bad. So now we're at the cage. This is the cage bar. This is the local bar of the town. All right. And this is when we get this yep. fucking, oh my God, this guy was so awesome. <laughs> this fucking old guy behind the bar. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to like have to play his his scene. 
of like him explain the story because it was awesome. Yeah. This guy, he's just like, he didn't give a fuck. He's like, you idiots are going to die. Okay. Yeah. I wish I could go to a bar with a bartender like this dude. Yeah, I know. Like this guy was just like, everybody's having a good time drinking and stuff. He's like, you guys are doing that fucking Valentine's Day party. Don't you know what happens during Valentine's Day parties? And they're all like, oh, fuck off, old guy. And they're like, no, listen, fucking beware the 14th. Yeah, this ain't no, and they're like, this ain't no fairy tale. All right. It's like 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, okay, hold on. So I am going to play this scene for everybody. Okay, but I'm going to try to recap it the best I can. I can't not like channel this guy. Like, I don't know where they found this dude, but this guy was fucking yeah, awesome. You, you can't deliver a promo like this dude. Yeah. Like, this guy was like fucking, this guy was promo was fantastic. But basically, this old guy was like, listen, guys, this ain't no fucking fairy tale. This town is cursed. 20 years ago, Valentine's Day. No, like this town has been, he's like, this town has been celebrating Valentine's Days for over 100 years. I was like, fuck, 100 years for Valentine's? Is that even like, was Valentine's even invented 100 years ago? This guy was like, but on this, 20 years ago, on this Valentine's Day, five Miners were still blown below. And then the rest of the, the crew was trying to head up there and go to the Valentine's Day dance. But they left those poor five miners down below and they didn't check the methane gas levels. And the next thing you know, the place blows up and there's rocks and everywhere. And then me and some other crew go down there and try to pick up these rocks. And we only found one person, Harry Warren. He was over there eating flesh and shit. He was eating bodies. And then, one year later, after he was done with the mental hospital, he started killing up everybody from the minor crew. Except for me, for somehow. But uh, he killed up everybody from the minor crew and chopped them. And what he did was, he put their little hearts in little heart-shaped boxes to make it look like candy. Okay? And then, after we did all that, he escaped. And now, every Valentine's Day, he'll come if we have a party. He said if we have a party on Valentine's Day, he'll come and kill everybody in the town. Everybody's all like making fun of him. Screw you fuckers. He's going to kill your asses and shit. I know it. <laughs> so I'm going to play the whole scene for you guys because this guy was fucking awesome. All right. <laughs> started 20 years ago. It was the night of the Valentine's Day dance at the Union Hall. The biggest event of the year. It had been a tradition for over 100 years. Everybody was there except for Seven miners were out at the Hanager mine. Five of them still down below. Two supervisors were waiting for the men to come up. Anxious to get to the party, they left before the men were safely out, failing to check the methane gas levels in the tunnels down below. continued its party <laughs> for six weeks we dug around the clock to try to save them after we broke through one man was found alive I was the one who found <laughs> Harry Warden spent the next year in the state mental hospital exactly one year later on Valentine's Day, 
he came back to town. He killed the two supervisors who had left the post the year before. Then he cut out their hearts and stuffed them into heart-shaped candy boxes. That night at the dance, he found the boxes, blood dripping out the sides. Inside was a note, a warning from Harry, never to hold a Valentine's dance ever again. Every February 14th, Harry comes back to town. His pickaxe stained with blood, waiting in the shadows of the Henniger mine, just for someone to kill, should they not heed his warning. It could be you. I know what I'm saying. Forget about having a party at all on Saturday night. Or you may not live to see daylight. Like, you talk about, like, the local bar guy. Like, you talk about get off my lawn guy. This guy was him. Okay. That Yeah, he, he's the best actor in this whole movie, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, 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 there's, like, another scene with him, too, that was, like, super, like, really good. And we'll get there. All right. So, let's see. This is, like, yeah. This is, like, if you guys ever want to see daylight, you better, you better stop this party. Uh, and then, uh, then they all laugh and they get their beers and they start, and then they all start singing for some reason. And then we have, um, so we have Axel and this is like, this is, they're, they're like now in like a, like outside in their cars or something. It's a different area than the bar. So you have Axel, he's playing his harmonica. All right. And then this is when TJ, he wants to talk to him because he's like, Hey, we got to get some stuff off for chest, man. And you can see there's some tension between both of them. So, so TJ wants his girl back. Axel said, hey, you left. The girl is now mine. And they're just kind of going back and forth. And you think they're going to fight. But they're like, they're like, they're like friends. But they're like, they're like, they're like back and forth fighting a little bit. And then eventually, um. And, it, like, and then basically Axel just saying, hey, you just need to accept the way things are. And then now we got a cutscene of we have the mayor and the sheriff. They are now at the morgue. Okay. And they are trying to figure out um, whose heart this is. And they're also f- f- trying to like, they're trying to call up the hospital that Harry Warren has been in for, since 20 years. But the receptionist yeah. lady... Uh, Raleigh, she can't find any records of what happened 20 years ago. She's like, fuck, man, 20 years ago. I gotta find that shit around here. We got new stuff. We got we have something called a computer. Uh, <laughs> this thing that I gotta put fucking records on. It's like green shit. I don't know where this paper crap you got over here is, but let me go check the vault. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so, yeah, so she goes to check the vault. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then, like, and then the sheriff's like, you know what? You know, it could just be some kids. You know what I mean? It could be some random kids out there, you know, killing people, putting hearts in boxes, and, you know, playing practical jokes. Could be. Yeah. 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 You got some killer kids in your town, I guess. And then the doc, then this, like, doctor comes up. He's like, yeah, we found what the heart is. It's, uh, from a young woman and stuff. And they're like, oh, man. He's like, and then they're like, hey, doc, you ever heard about Harry Warren? He's like, yeah, I heard about Harry Warren. That's a crazy story. He went on a murderous ramping speed. What are you guys down there in Valentine Bluff doing? 
And then they all look at each other weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, they all, and they all look at each other weird, exactly. Yeah, so this is a murder that we never see, right? Like, he, he killed somebody and he put the heart in a box, but we never see where this, that, this yeah. heart came from. Yeah, because the, the, the first scene we see him kill is like this one coming up with him killing Mabel. Yeah. So let's see. Spoilers. Well, fuck, man. I expect that we were to watch this movie, but if you're not, I mean, oh, spoilers. Yeah. That's true, yeah. But yeah, you, know, you should have watched the movie by now. Yeah. I mean, you can hear my sweet voice recapping everything. I mean, if you like doing that, that's fine. But, you know, like this one, I, I'd probably say to watch it. You know what I mean? Like some of the stuff I can't really do justice to with, with yeah. some of the recap. Yeah. But, you know, like we you should I, definitely watch this. This is yeah. a good movie. Yeah. But, you know, if you're not, you know, I'll make it as fun as I can. Mm-hmm. Or we will. So Harry walks around outside. Okay. It, well, we're to believe the killer now is Harry because that's what we've been told. And he's in his full getup or he's in the full miners getup. Mm-hmm. He's spying on Mabel. All right, we have a little Easter egg that you probably didn't notice, Allison. This movie has a special beer in it. Have you ever had Moosehead beer before? I'm familiar with it. Um, it's like a lager, like a real light lager. Some I wouldn't normally drink, but it's it's probably probably popular in Canada. Yeah, with Labots or something. I don't know. Pretty sure this film is. I'm pretty sure this movie was filmed in Canada because we have a couple of Canadian uh, stars in this one. Oh yeah, it takes place in Canada. Some, Which I thought a, was weird because there's no snow. Yeah. Well, in February, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I've I've only been to Canada once, and yeah. it had snow then. Maybe but, this I mean, is maybe a, maybe maybe this is just the uh, warm uh, year, I guess. Yeah. That happened in yeah, 1981. Non, the non-snowy part. Yeah. Yes. So the the big uh, sponsor for this my Valley Valentine is Moosehead Beers. Everybody, I would like mm-hmm. to check that out. Maybe if we could find some. So this is, we see Harry, he puts a heart-shaped box on the counter. This is like a laundromat too. So I'm not sure if Mabel, maybe her full-time job is laundromat carer or something. Or maybe (laughs) she's just doing her laundry there. But she eventually sees this heart-shaped box and she opens it and we have a letter. And this is a good one. Roses are red, violets are blue, one is dead, and so are you. And then boy... (laughs) Our fucking boy just pops out and starts attacking Mabel. And then he fucking eventually chops her right in the heart. And then you know what he does? He takes a little paper mache fucking hearts and turns them upside down. Mm-hmm. Just like the girl he was supposed to be shacking up with in the uh, the beginning scene. Because remember, mm-hmm. her heart, even though it was like drawn on for crown, it was upside down. See? It was, yeah, it yeah, was upside go. down. There so you, there you go. There ain't yes. nobody fact checkers on this and then this episode, all right? No, I, no, no fact checking us on this one. So the the scene at the beginning is that supposed to be now or is that twenty years ago? So I think it's supposed to be now. Okay, so maybe that's the heart that he gets. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, so that I mean, scene it's, was it's to, definitely not clear. I mean, I'm you know I'm it's not, not the smartest. Yes. It's not, you're right. But it's not clear. But now that I think about it, we watched the whole movie and now it makes sense that beginning scene does make sense now. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's read to be, okay, this could have been something from 20 years ago, but no, this actually is happening in the current storyline. So. Right. Because they, I mean, because they hot shot the movie so much that they show you this like 
murder murder boob scene at the beginning but they don't really but at that point in the movie you don't even know about the miner and that the miner was a was the is a killer and it, you don't know any of the story so it's just like it's just like when is this happening so but yeah it, you're right and it is happening i'm sure it is happening now and that's that's where the heart came from so that's the murder that we see where 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 we get the heart that goes into the uh the box for the mayor for the mayor's gift yep yeah so you see we're uh Fact checking this live around here. That's what we do, man. So we now have the gang. All right, they are they are hungry around their car. I don't get it either. So then we see somebody sneaking. <laughs> yeah. We see somebody sneaking around, and this is when we get our boy TJ, and he is drinking some liquor because he is upset because he's like, "Fuck, back at this town, I failed at my acting job in the coast." My girl's getting mm. shacked up by this boy named this guy named Axel. It's not even her fucking real mm. name. Some blonde dude. Alright? And I'm just, and then I want mm. my woman back. So and I'm T- gonna have to go work at the mine again. Yes. So TJ is getting all pissy that Axel is with his girl Sarah. And he wants his woman back. So he kinda like confronts him about it. He's kinda being like an asshole. He's like, bro, like you left, man. Like your girl's getting shacked up by somebody else. But he's all like, you know, you know, Sarah really wants me. And then they start like getting into a little bit of a scuffle. Like they're about to be fighting each other. But then our boy Hollis, he kind of interrupts them. And and um, and uh, Axel, he goes on his way. And then Hollis is trying to relax um, TJ. And TJ's like, you know, me and uh, me and Axel used to be pretty good friends and stuff. But I'm just going through a lot of shit right now. Mm-hmm. When do they cancel the dance? Oh, it's coming up. But not yet. Okay. So the sheriff talks now about Harry, uh, Harry Warner not being at that, um, not being at that place to Raleigh. Mm, and then yeah. he, the sheriff he wants to know what happened, like why why they can't figure out where this guy is. All right. So this is when we get a scene of Sarah and her friend, which I think is Patty. And they're talking about like, so Sarah is like she's like in a, a conundrum. She mm-hmm. uh, she likes TJ, but she also like acts too, so she doesn't really know what to do. And then they go like shopping or something. And this is when the sheriff goes looking for Mabel, and he's walking around the laundry room, and then he eventually sees a bunch of upside-down hearts. He's like, oh, this is kind of weird. And then he eventually goes to... Yeah, he eventually goes to see an upside-down heart near a uh, dryer, opens it up, Grabs some clothes, smells it, looks, has a funny face, and then sees a burnt up Mabel in the dryer. And then starts freaking out. Yeah, it took me a minute to figure out what was going on here, too, because, like, obviously you, it's a movie, so you can't smell it, but, like, he smells his pipe first. Yes. And I'm like, why is he smelling his pipe? Like, it, like it's not clear that he smells something. He's, he's, like, looking around and he sees the hearts. And then it turns out, and then he gets the clothes out and he smells them, and that's not it. And then he opens up the next one and he sees Mabel burn in the dryer. Yes. Um, would, a, would a dryer burn you if you were in it? Well, I don't Does know. it get hot enough to burn like a human, like human flesh? Well, this dryer did. I definitely well, want to find did, out. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe 1981 dryers were way more, uh, yeah. way more hardcore. That's when they were, they were really made. Yeah. They're not this Chinese crap. Mm hmm. Now these Canadian made dryers. They're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're serious. They're serious. They don't play around. 
So now we're back in the mines. All right. Little John. No, not that one. This is a different little John. And Mike. They are like hyping up TJ. All right. And this is when we see more uh, tension between TJ and Axe. Like, these guys cannot get along. There's like a lot of tension between them. And they're about to blow. They're about to go. They're about to blow some hands. All right. They're about mm -hmm. to fucking throw down. And then their boss comes in and he's like, I ain't going to have no fight in my section. He tells them to go fuck off both of them. And then we have the, now we have the mayor and then we have the sheriff. They're going over the, oh, the old, the old, let's go over the history of the town segment. Okay. <laughs> the exposition. So we'll yes. know what the hell's going on. And then the, and then of all people, the sheriff's like, well, fuck, let's just keep this under wraps because like, listen, I don't want to have a fucking dead body in my record. All right. Like I want to get voted next week. Okay. Come on. Right. So he wants to keep it under wraps, but the mayor is kind of like, he's kind of like, I don't know. You know, like if I see anything else, this is going to get crazy. This is like, you know, so when they got the body, because they were talking about in the body and stuff, this, the, the sheriff's like, okay, we got to keep this dance, you know, because he wants to, he wants to keep the dance alive to, to not give into some fear. And then the sheriff's like, just scroll the body like behind the place so nobody sees it. Yeah. Let's just hide the body. Yeah. And then after this, they before they wheel off the body, they see a little Valentine's Day note in the body. And it says, happened once, happened twice. Cancel the dance or it'll happen thrice. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. But our boy over here, the killer, like fucking Harry or mystery person, boy, this guy can rhyme. Okay. Mm -hmm. He... He might have a fucking, he uh, could be do a couple of shirts with this guy. All right. Yeah. Let's put him on the fucking Hulk Hogan shirt train, brother. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> after this, like the mayor totally freaks out and he's like, okay, now we got to fucking can't take everything down, cancel everything, shut everything down. We can't do this anymore. Yep. So we canceled the, we canceled the Valentine's Day dance. First one in 20 yeah. years. Yeah. So he's like, Harry's going to keep killing everybody if we don't cancel it up and lock up the hall. So then we have Sheriff outside and he's actually locking up the hall. This is when we get a bunch of uh, uh, kids over here saying, you know, what's going on over here? You know, we get some of the crew. And it's just like, well, you know, Mabel's, you know, Mabel's death and it just wouldn't be right if we had a, uh, uh, you know, she put a lot of heart and effort into this dance. This is what the sheriff's saying. The sheriff's basically saying, you know, Mabel put a lot of heart and soul into this dance and did a lot of stuff and she just had a heart attack. So I don't think it would be proper, you know, for us to have a dance. And they're all like, you know what? They don't really believe him in that story. So then the- You don't wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> so then the kids are like, okay, if we're not going to have a dance, and then there's then the, the sheriff was like no dance and no parties, all right. So this is when we another scene of Axel and TJ getting into it again, and then the workers are done for the day, and this is when we see a pissed off TJ go into his sweet green Mustang, and he just fucking mm -hmm. just like grabs Sarah and like yo just come with me really quick. He grabs her from the store where she was hanging out with Patty with, and he brings her <laughs> he just brings her to like a nice little beach. All right. So this is when we get a romantic scene. We have TJ and we have Sarah. They're by like the beach. And he was like, remember this spot? She's like, of course I remember this spot. Okay. And then she's like, you didn't write, you didn't call. You just left me here all alone. 
He's like, I just made many mistakes. I'm sorry. Can you just give me a chance? And she's all like, yeah, I'm with Axel now. You got to expect things to say. He's like, just, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry and everything. Then they start kissing. So we have more drama. We have more drama in this My Bloody Valentine than a normal fucking teenage uh, show. Yeah. This is now, like, what's a good 80s teenage drama show? Saved by the Bell? Or was that 90s? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was 90s. Um, I don't I don't know. 80s? That would be a I'm good sure. team drama. I'm sure somebody knows. Yeah, there's got to be a team drama from the, from the 80s. I yeah. don't know. Well, anyway, we're back at the bar. Yeah, mm-hmm. buddy. <laughs> this is the scene. This is the scene. So Axel's there. He's like, he's asking TJ. I guess TJ's back because, you know, after they, after um, TJ and Sarah kissed, we just didn't see him again. And then Axel's mm-hmm. back and he sees TJ for a second. And he's like, hey, have you seen Sarah? He's like, it's not my turn to look after her. All right, so this is, yeah, okay. So there's always tension between these guys. Then we see Sarah, she's walking around the town at nighttime. Somebody creeps up on her, making them believe it's the killer, but it's the sheriff. Sheriff just say he's doing his patrol. (laughs) So he just tells Sarah to move along. Now we are back in the bar, and the crazy guy, he is just fucking lighting up people's ass. (laughs) He's like, he's like, Heart attack my ass. I know what fucking happened. <laughs> and he goes like, it didn't, like, this is when we hear the gang and stuff. They're like, okay, you know, since they're canceling this um, Valentine's Day party, why don't we have a party in the mine? Like, why don't we have a party in that thing? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's have it. So they what all, a great idea. Yeah. So they're Let's all have like. a party in the mine. Yeah. So I guess, like, there's like, so at first I was like, they're just going to go to that dirt mine and stuff but I guess there's a break room I guess they're going to they're be taking the party to the break room because at first I was like mine what the fuck we want to have a party there all that fucking dust and shit and then this old guy overhears him and he's all like so he's like you fucking idiots and he's like what are you talking about man and he's like shut up you little asshole and he's like you calling me a little asshole yeah I'm calling you a little asshole <laughs> you're going to get yourself killed so yep, he's he's yeah. the typical. There's the, one of these guys in nearly every '80s slasher movie. And there's yeah. one in Friday the Thirteenth with a crazy guy who's the only person who makes any sense, or who who know he's the crazy guy who knows what's going on basically, and nobody yeah. else will listen. But like, unlike other crazy guys that knows what's going on, this guy actually got himself fucking killed. <laughs> because yeah. the next thing we see is him setting up uh, a fake um, Harry Warren. Uh, minor outfit he's like these fucking kids i'm gonna fucking scare them good <laughs> so i'll fu- show him i'll show him so he's like setting up this like trap for them in the door at the minor um place and he keeps check checking it out checking it out and then he finally checks it out for the last part and then the the, the minor turns real and he fucking guts him right in front of like the fucking chin up to his eyeball that shit was a cool death scene mm-hmm. by the way do you watch the uncut version uh, so I was going to bring that up later on, actually, but um, I don't know. Um, so <clears throat> this movie, and and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute because there's a scene that definitely was cut. You can just tell by watching it. But um, so there's two, there's there's different. There's a version that was cut that had seven minutes cut out of it, and then um, 
when it was re-released recently, they added three minutes back. Um, and I'm not sure which version I, I watched. Um, but the full seven minutes has never been released, but it does exist, is from what I understand. So there's like seven or five more minutes of gore somewhere that we could be seeing, but we're not. Well, I mean, I watched the uncut version, so hopefully um, if I explain the dust, because most of the time I noticed in the, uncut, in, the, in the uncut version, the one I watched, is you could tell in the death scenes, like they're not as edited as well as the main main movie. So it looks like a lot of the more gory scenes were like like cut out. So, yeah, but there's still, I will talk about this, I'm sure, in a minute, but there's still more cut out even of your version. That's I mean, cool. what was the length of your version? It was like an hour 30. Yeah, so like the version that um, that I have, um, the version, the, the so the official runtime is 93 minutes for this movie. Um, and I'm pretty sure that I watched the newest version of it. Um, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, according to this, my version was, well, no, so my version was exactly 90 minutes. I just checked on that since I was able to stall long enough. But my version was exactly 90 minutes, so I did not see the uncut version. So the uncut version is 93 minutes long. Well, maybe I did. But we'll see. But, uh, so we have also, too, the sheriff who's checking the gate to the mining facility, and it's locked. It is now Saturday, February 14th. Valentine's Day has arrived. We have the, yes, we have the mayor. He's looking all sad. Then we have all the kids, all the, all the, the gang, the miners and, and their women's. They all arrive at the miners break room to party. This is when the sheriff, he gets another heart shaped box and he's kind of freaked out at first and he opens it and it's just chocolate and it has a, a Valentine's note from Mabel saying, be my Valentine. So that's kind of sad. So the gang is out partying. TJ says, hey, somebody busted the lock. And hey, could somebody move the red Volkswagen out of the way? I told everybody to park out back. So we're foreshadowing that somebody's there that's not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's red. It's red. Ooh. You know what that means. So now it's drinking time. There's some dude with red hair. That's my right. there's some dude with red hair who wants to who wants to leave town and is hungry alright where I catch his name let's just say his name is Mike alright sure so Harry keeps like snorting like I don't know if it was beer or if it was a soda but he kept snorting a bunch of drinks alright so Sheriff is looking upset and he's going to check on the mine and then he sees a bunch of dogs and he sees like a heart-shaped box on a blood, it's like blood blood coming out of it and a bunch of dogs are sniffing on it. Mm-hmm. And he opens it up and it's another heart. And then, the, then he reads a letter in the box and it said, didn't stop the party. And he's like, what? What damn party? Now we're back at the party. And Howard is, this is when he's starting his beer. We have Axel and Sarah. They're not getting along now. And then TJ told him to back off. And then Axel was like, everything was fine until you came over here. 
And then Sarah's like, I can speak for myself. He said, TJ. He said, TJ said she wants to come back with me. They start fighting. And then this is when we get um, Hollis. He's breaking them up for good this time. And now Axel is pissed and he goes outside. And then this is when TJ talks to Sarah and he's apologizing again. And then now Sarah, she's like super pissed off because she doesn't really know what to believe or nothing. So she keeps saying, she tells him, hey, just leave me alone. And then we have Howard over there snorting some more beer to get everybody back into the party <laughs> mood. All right. Yeah, snorting some more beer. So now Axel is drinking alone now. Okay. So we have the the redhead guy, which is my boy John. I thought his name was Mike, yeah. but it's actually John. <laughs> All right. Okay. He is. So we have John, and we have. Let me get this girl's name. I now remember it. Okay. Now we have John, and we have Sylvia. Sylvia, yeah. They are making out in the miners' room where they like they get their miners' like outfits. Yeah. And in I guess you pull like this. Like, room. Yeah, the change room. They, they, you pull this thing and the outfit falls onto you. And you, I guess you get mm-hmm. ready. And he showed her that and she was all impressed. And then she's like, <laughs> go get some beer. And he's like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to get some beer. I'm about to get this Valentine's Day going. All right. So he goes get some beer. And this is when we get the scene of, of course, a girl in a horror movie getting left alone with only one beer. She hears some water coming on. She's like, John, is that you, John? She goes up to the water. She's looking around. Boom, here's a heron. Heron. Here's Harry right behind her, grabs her, picks her up, and stabs her right into the water hose pipe. And then they actually have a really cool scene of her just like dead right there, like, like not swinging, but like just like stuck right there. It kind of reminded me of that scene in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when he put the guy on the hook. Was that yeah. in your version? No. So that's what I was going to bring up. The, uh, when I got to this part is when I was going to bring up the uncut version. Yep. So my version is clearly cut. So what it shows from from my perspective in my version is um, it. Sh- I don't th- I don't I can't remember if it shows him literally kill her. But when um, but John comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait a minute. And, and you're have, have we got to the part where John comes back and he sees her yet? No, not yet. Okay. So no. Um, so you, okay. Yeah. Uh, so my version is definitely edited cause it doesn't show, it doesn't show all of that. And then it's definitely edited when he finds her too. But anyway, let's, uh, so, so John's gone away to get beer. Yes. And Sylvia's now dead. Yes. So there's also a scene too that happened before this where I think it's little, uh, I think it's Mike. He goes and when he's getting some food, he sees some hot dogs boiling. And this is when we get the the killer, the mime guy, boiling up his face and killing him. So, add that add that part there. And then when John go is going to go get some beer, he talks a little bit with TJ, seeing how everything is going. Makes it kind of short because I think he wants to get his jollies on. He goes into oh, yeah. the food. Uh, he says it up to some of the girls right there. Eventually, the girls like pick out. It looks like a brain. They start freaking out, like, "Oh, what the hell is this thing and stuff?" And then, and then uh, John's like, "Oh, it's probably just Howard making a joke." And then he grabs some beer, and we could definitely see the the dead body of Mike in there. And then he leaves. 
he goes back to to see where um, Sylvia is. Keeps calling out her name, calling out her name, and eventually goes to where she's death, where she died. He's looking at her, and this guy starts freaking out. Like he's he's like freaking drops the beer, and he is freaking going crazy. Yeah, in my version, you can only see her from behind. Oh yeah, in my version, you saw the like, whole thing. You saw basically you saw her go into the the full pipe. And then, like, her body just, like, kind of, like, standing there. Kind of like that scene where you see on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they put them on the hook a little bit so the person's oh, yeah, not moving yeah. around. But it's kind of like that where it's just, like, the body's just, like, laying there. It's pretty, pretty, pretty gruesome. Yeah, she's, like, in my version, she's hanging on the shower um, head. But the shower head's, like, I guess, like, sticking through her mouth and the water's coming out. But you yeah. can't see that. You only see her from behind and you see his uh, – it's hard to describe. You see her from behind. You see the back of her head. And like the water coming out from the front, but then um, and then you see his reaction to it, and it's it's clearly cut, like it's clearly clear that there's supposed to be more than that that you're supposed to see. Yep. So th- this is when the sheriff he gets a call from the Raleigh, all right, and I guess the Raleigh is going to spill the beans about what's happening. So we have yep. Patty, she. Patty wants to go down to the mine. All right. And then we have Howard and we have Hollis. They agree. Hey, let's go down to the mine. It'd be a quick trip. Let's get these girls what they want. TJ said, no women in the mine. And Hollis like, listen, man, we'll be like real quick. Believe me. Be down and up. Don't worry about it. And our boy TJ, does he put his authority and tell them no this is against company policy you cannot access the mine with women no he does he's just like all right whatever i'm gonna go back inside so this is when they go down they're like going down like the mine in like a little bit of a train thing they can't believe it they're like oh this is what it's really like this is when they're down in the mine howard looks around sees some stuff hears some noises we're foreshadowing that this is not going to go too well yeah. All right. All right. So let's see. So now we are down at the cellar. All right. So we see some of the uh, the the cask. We're going down to the cellar. So we have we have Tommy, and we have his date Gretchen, and we have Hollis. And we have Patty, and we have Howard, and Sarah's joining them as well too. Um. Uh, uh, Gretchen and Tommy, they are horny. So they want to go to some secret part of the mine to get it on. Okay? And then the other ones are going through some other sections of the house, of the, of the mine or field. This is also too when we get John, he comes into the park, starts freaking out, saying Sylvia's dead. And then Axe said, it's like, oh crap, Heron Warren's here. Everybody get the fuck out. And then they try to call up the cops, everything, all the phone lines cut. And then uh, they're trying to call up the sheriff. And then TJ says, oh, crap, Sarah, she's down in the mines. And then they they both need to go down there and warn everybody that this killer is on the loose. So now they're both working together to get their friends out of the the mine. So Sarah and, and Patty get scared by Hollis. It's kind of playing around. Mm-hmm. And then Hollis gives him a history lesson 
about the mime. And this is when Howard scares them. So we're showing, like, you know, we're, we're doing some playing around over here. They ask where, um, they ask where the uh, Gretchen and, what was the fucking name again? Tommy went. They keep asking where they went. And they can't find him now because they're lost in that cellar. And then this is when we get. Uh, this is when we get. Um, so after Axel told people to get out and stuff, they needed to warn the sheriff. We eventually get one of the kids warning the sheriff, saying, "Hey, you better go down to the mine right now because Warren's over there and he's killing a bunch of kids that are having this party." All right. So the sheriff now calls for backup, and then they start rushing over there. So this is when the crew they run into TJ, and they they she he tells everybody, like, hey, we gotta get out of here. Heron Warren's back. He's gonna he kill some of the others, and we gotta get out of here. And then basically what they had to do is they had to check. They had to find where the Gretchen and the Tommy are, and and TJ's like, okay, I'll check Tunnel Six. Hollis, you check the main shaft. Howard, you stay here with the girls. Alright. Okay. And then Howard says some shit. So this is when we get this is when we get Hollis. He's looking for Tommy and he eventually finds Tommy uh spiked through. So it was him and his girlfriend were like kissing on this bench, but the killer put a big pipe and like put it through both of the bodies. Did you have that scene in yours? Yeah, I believe that was in mine. Okay, cool. So those two are goners. So this is when we have uh Warren, he shows up and he starts shooting some nails in the Hollis. And this is when Rabor Hollis uh, is dead by getting his uh, shot up with some nails. Yeah, the miner shoots the nails into his head. Yep. That's like right, right in his temple. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. So Howard and the girls are like scared and stuff. And then they see, then they see Hollis. He shows up and scares him and he dies. And this is when we get Patty. She starts to freak out like this. Bad. All right, so Howard's like, couldn't take all this. So he's like, oh, fuck it, girls, I'm out of here. And they're like, where are you going? We got to stay together. And so he's like, fuck it, I'm out of here. He just leaves. So the girls are on their own now. And Sarah has to basically slap uh, Patty to, like, get her to, like, pay attention to everything. And then they're like, <laughs> yeah. hey, we got to stick together and stuff. <laughs> so this is when we yeah. get, um, so the, so Sarah and Patty, they're going to do some tunnels. And they start, they're freaking out. Oh. And then they eventually run into uh, TJ. All right. And then mm-hmm. since they're with TJ now, they all have a plan to try to escape. So they start going up a ladder. All right. So they're going up with this ladder. And we see in the background that the chief is, is, is about to be arriving with some other coppers in hand. Yeah. See, so far, and, and I think in, and in the entire history of the show, he's the only uh, uh, police chief who's ever arrived on time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it, Maybe and, and with the full crew Canadians too. are better at that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good about showing up on time with the full crew. Uh-huh. Mm. So we have, um, so they're trying to get to the control part of the mine to do some radio out and stuff, but it's not working. All right. So now they're mm-hmm. climbing the ladder over here, 
to try to get up. And Patty is like freaking bitching the whole time by crying, like trying to climb this ladder. It's um, we have Sarah, we have Patty, we have uh, Axel. He's kind of like in the back, and then we have TJ, and they're like trying to climb up this ladder. So then when this happens, Howard, he gets, with the XCC Howard, he actually falls on every, kind of like falls in the attic and his head pops up. And this is when everybody kind of falls down from the ladder. So they all start climbing down now because they don't want to go up top over there because they they think right, Warren's so now, up there. Right, so now we're just climbing down the other way. So this is when they kind of like, after that happens, they kind of like break apart a little bit. So we have um, uh, Patty, She's kind of like on her own. And then we have TJ and Sarah kind of like teaming up a little bit. All right. Let me know if I'm like missing anything because this is part of the part I have to like watch over again. Yeah. The only the only thing is like, have they had the little uh, the train car chase yet? Yeah, we're about to be there. Yeah. Okay. I was about to say, that's where we are now. We're, the, it kind of turns into an episode of Scooby-Doo at this point. Yeah. Where they're all just kind of being chased by the miner through the through the mines with the in the little train cars. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, pretty much. So after everybody kind of like disbands everything, we have the two main people they focus on is Sarah and TJ. And then we see Warren and he's about to like attack Sarah and TJ. So he's coming after them and chasing them. And this is eventually when they, they jump on like a, a train, like those little like one of those little tra- trains they get around the mines with. And they jump yeah. on there <clears throat> and then Warren jumps on there too. And this is when we start having our first fight. Uh, with the shovels and pickaxes, and they're going back and forth. Eventually, they fall off the train. They start fighting a little bit. Sarah grabs a weapon for TJ to use. They eventually break into like a hidden part of the mine. They start fighting some more back and forth. Eventually, the miner hits the wall, and then he gets knocked down, and then he eventually overpowers TJ. He's about to stab him with the knife, but then before that, Sarah grabs his mask and takes it off. And then it turns out to be it revealed to be Axel this whole time. Yeah. This whole time, brother, it was Axel. Then we see a quick flashback. Apparently, Axel's dad was Harry Warren or got killed by Harry Warren. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. No, yeah, he gets killed. Remember, Harry Warden comes back and he kills the supervisors that left him in the mine to become a cannibal. Yes. Yeah, and then, and he, then Axel was one of the, one of the, was the kid of one of the supervisors. Yes. So Axel saw a dead supervisor with blood all over him, and he thought to his head, "Well, fuck, I'll just grow up to be this guy now because of the, the trauma." So yeah, well, he's trying to put an end to Valentine's Day. Yes. So he doesn't like Valentine's Day for a different reason. He doesn't like Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day made this crazy maniac kill his father. And mm-hmm. now he is channeling the spirits of Harry One to stop Valentine's Day once and for all. Did I get that right? Yep, that's exactly the plot of the movie, yes. Gotcha. So after this... Uh, we have a little scene of their their scuffling some more, and eventually some some rocks and some stuff fall from the miners, so they're they're barricaded in. So now we have Axel is now barricaded in to this room, and then we have Sarah and we have um, uh, TJ. They run into the sheriff, and they're like, "Oh shit! It was it was Axel this whole time." 
All right, and then they go to go find Axel in that room. They see him, but they actually see him get up and run away. So he's trapped yeah. under the end of the debris, and then they uh, they tell around this time the sheriff finds out that Harry Warden died five years ago. They finally get through on the computer about where he <laughs> is, and he died five years before. Um, so they're like, "Well, who the fuck is killing people?" And it turns out at that moment that it's Axel, and then we find out why Axel's trapped in the debris, and then he cuts his arm off. And uh, he says, he says, um, we'll be back. We're going to get you all, me and Harry Warden. And then he just runs off down the mine, which sets it up for a sequel that doesn't exist. But yes. it could have, and that would have been great. <laughs> yes. Set up for a sequel. It's not there. But, uh, yeah, everybody, that is My Bloody Valentine. What, do you th- what did you think of My Bloody Valentine, J.A. Allison? Man, Man, I like this movie, man. It was it's a good date movie. I mean, you know, movie to you go out to dinner at the Red Lobster or whatever you do on Valentine's Day and uh uh you um come back to your house and you know, maybe uh have a little wine or something, a little some little little red wine, and then you put on the uh, My Bloody Valentine and then you know, you kind of cuddle up on the couch and then, you know, that's a good, I think it's a great Valentine's Day movie. Exactly. You can get it for some, you know, some chocolate, some heart-shaped mm-hmm. hearts in there. Heart-shaped chocolate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I thought it was a definitely a pretty fun movie. Like, I'd say this movie doesn't get as much love as it should, but I think over time it is getting a lot better love than it did because this one actually didn't do as well at the box office because this one was actually made by Lion Gates Films, which, you know, did a couple Friday the 13th. Um... But you know, this one at the time didn't get a lot of love. But I, but over time, it actually became a pretty good classic film. And I actually thought it was really good. I actually thought, like you know, the the main character is pretty creepy. I like the shock at the end. Um, a couple of the killing scenes, even though they cut it out during the the original movie. If you watch the uncut one, those are actually really well made. So I'm actually surprised mm-hmm. they actually cut those out. But um, it's definitely a fun movie. And um, you're right. So you could definitely bring a good old date over here in the Trans Am. I would definitely bring mine to a, uh, uh, what do you call those, an open movie. Um, uh, what do you call those things? We, we drive your car up to it. A drive-in? Drive-in, yes. Drive-in <laughs> movie. What the fuck? I was going yeah. spaced out over here for a second. <laughs> so I'll drive, I'll drive him into a drive-in movie. So definitely pretty fun. But uh, everybody... That has been our Valentine's Day episode here on the Retro Blood. Celebrating love like we only know how to with Bloody Chocolate, Axel Rose, some some Rick Rude. So all your 80s love here on the Retro Blood. Do you have anything that you want to say or how we're going to be leaving this particular episode, Allison? Just, uh, you should definitely watch this. You should, I mean, I, I probably would say, I, I think you should watch all these movies, obviously, because we did, but yeah. um, this this is a great movie. I mean, it's a great night, early 80s horror film, and you, sh- you guys should definitely watch this. Not the remake, though. Watch the original. Oh, it's always, always the original. original. All right, so the movie we're going to be doing next week to continue our month of love here on the Retro Blood is going to be none other than Butcher Baker nightmare maker yeah it's gonna be a great one it's gonna be a great one all about aunt and nephew love in a weird way (laughs) (laughs) should be a very interesting love tale that we have going on over here so join us next week everybody 
as we talk all crazy about the Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker movie. And I'm going to let Allison pick us out a song to uh, end our episode of Valentine's Day Love, which should we leave the audience with to end this fantastic episode? Allison. Well, since you said we were going to play some brush going out, let's play Limelight from Moving Pictures. Ooh, this is the limelight, everybody. Just like our boy TJ was trying to be his limelight in the coast and it failed, and he came back to do some mining, but he got the girl in the end. This is Limelight by Rush, everybody. See you later. See you guys. Living 